thank you for joining us on the Therapy Cable podcast. What you're about to listen to are conversations and interviews on some of the most crucial and important topics in the behavioral and mental health space. It is our mission to help remove the stigmas attached to mental health, psychology, and addiction, one recording at a time. Welcome back to Therapy Cable. This is Dr. Asan Karachidaki, and today we are talking about human attraction psychologies. So, uh, certainly, there are many different forces or factors that lead to people becoming attracted to one another. Uh, they can certainly be very much, uh, you know, physical in nature, where people just kind of fall in love with a certain presentation. You know, it could be. The uh, facial uh, looks, if you will, or body uh, posture, and um, you know, just kind of the, the entire presentation of a person. Even their clothing, how they dress, can be quite attractive. You know, a person's hairdo, like I mentioned earlier, certain facial features, even skin color, if you will, and beyond that, uh, it goes into further. Uh, visual, verbal, non-verbal characteristics, including tone of a voice of a person, uh, you know, the way they speak, even their vocabulary or their depth of knowledge uh, of a, the language or even multiple languages. If they speak multiple languages, you know, that can add to a little bit of an exotic, if you will, exotic flair to um, their, their perception uh, and uh, certainly all these uh, more or less I would say uh, conscious elements are the part of um, the uh, level of attraction or forces of attraction that most people relate to if you brought up this conversation with friends family etc everybody would be able to relate to that and at times however what happens is that this again as I mentioned I label them as conscious elements uh, take precedence over the subconscious or unconscious factors or forces that are present. So people at times just focus only on these conscious elements. So they truly believe that they are falling in love with this other person based on these known characteristics. Uh, what I would like to introduce is that beyond these conscious, known, familiar kind of common characteristics that people are certainly aware of, there are also quite a few subconscious or unconscious, unknown uh, forces and elements that actually are much more ingrained. They are a lot more stronger in terms of the value of seduction that these uh, factors have between people to a point that a person may find themselves kind of dumbfounded in terms of if they are even in a relationship that doesn't work and still cannot get away from their partner. And that's what I mean by dumbfounded, meaning that at times people find themselves in this particular uh, situations where they start believing that they are better off without their partner, that they should separate, that they actually don't get along and yet cannot uh, take that step. They cannot separate. 
And if you ask them how come, you know, why is it that they can't just take that final step, it really goes back to that level of very subconscious inner um, connection, almost like a glue that they cannot uh, overcome. It binds these two people together and it really has to do with a certain level of attraction and seduction, meaning that they haven't necessarily lost, uh, lost their love and attraction and you know, desire for one another. They have more or less come to a conscious and logical decision that somehow they are different, somehow they're incompatible, and somehow they are better off you know, living separate lives. So uh, this is particularly of high interest to me because um, this is one of the most complex, uh, if you will, formula or uh, situations or problems to overcome. The rest of the situations where people base their attraction and know the roots of attraction, uh, you know, uh, hinges in more of, let's say again, as I mentioned, conscious presentation uh, factors, such as the looks of a person, their tone of voice, their, um, you know, hairdo, if you will, the way they dress themselves, the languages they speak. And beyond that also, a lot of times, level of education is important, certainly uh, socioeconomic status is important, what usually we call beauty, certainly those are important factors. But people can get over those. People can kind of come to a logical conclusion that I'm done with, you know, appreciating that beauty. And um, and in fact, those factors fall on a um, spectrum where you have multiple contenders. Many people are beautiful. Many people are handsome. Many people are rich. Many people are resourceful. Many people dress well. Many people speak lots of different languages. Many people have a very beautiful sounding tone of voice. So you have lots of competitors and contenders to put up with. Therefore, you can. Uh, it's much easier to move away from one partner to another to find another one, where the proverbial, you know, the green, the the lawn is greener, uh, and um, it's easier to move on. Uh, there is no stuckness in that formula where people would say, well, no, I can't get over the beauty of this person or their accent or their level of money that they have. Because as I mentioned, the, the, we are living in a world where we are, there are 7 billion people uh, or more. Uh, the, we interact with hundreds, if not thousands of people, especially nowadays through social media. So the opportunity of finding those more or less known, uh, I don't want to call them superficial, it's not necessarily superficial, but they're kind of surface level uh, uh, factors, is uh, is abundant. We can find many people who find those, cat to fit those categories. However, being able to feel the same deeper level of, um, again, that connection, desire, seduction, glue, to a person without even being able to articulate what it is, but just feel it, sense it, sit with it, and not being able to overcome it, that is rare. And uh, we want to uh, address that, where it comes from, what's the root cause of it, what it has to do with, why is it so hard to overcome, and also if it is really the best option for us, meaning is this more like a trap if people are that highly uh, seductively 
you know, kind of chained to another person and they can't get away from it? Is that even healthy? Is that functional? Is it something that we should uh, approve of or pursue or be uh, completely, you know, mindful and against and kind of uh, find out how we can set ourselves free from that set of chains or from that trap? So this is very important. Uh, and I think in uh, further discussion, what you will notice uh, listening to those factors that we will bring up is that you may actually find this a very significant and important part of your entire life because it actually relates to one of the most important relationships that we have and uh, most of the time that's the kind of lifelong partner that we get into uh, for instance, uh, you know, in a marriage, uh, your husband, your wife, uh, or even a long-term, you know, non-formally marriage-related relationship, just simple partnership, if you want to call it. So your spouse uh, and yourself, <coughs> certainly I know that you appreciate your relationship as one of the most significant parts of your life and most meaningful uh, source of your life. So, so that is where the crux of the issue is. Uh, we want to know what is it that keeps us in that relationship, that keeps us attracted to that person. And again, it goes beyond just, a, let's say, sensual attraction. It's a quite, a, I would say, spiritual attraction, an existential attraction, a, a level of attraction that is very, very meaningful attraction. So let's talk about that. So. Um, you may hear, and, and to start understanding this, what I want to uh, really kind of ask you is to see if you know someone in your uh, circles that has reported this type of attraction. They may have just articulated and expressed this um, kind of a perplexing uh, phenomenon that they're dealing with, that they can't really tell you exactly what it is that keeps them attracted to their partner, but it is uh, extremely strong, something that they cannot overcome. And again, despite some difficulties that they may have experienced in their relationship, despite some, again, conscious reasons, part, at times even good reasons, to uh, want to uh, separate from this other person, yet they're struggling with that inner um, desire, that connection, that bond that they cannot overcome. Now, a key point, a key um, characteristic to understanding where it comes from is the word familiarity. Uh, people who report this type of a deep down and uh, extremely strong attraction, and again, that cannot be articulated, they also report a very high level of familiarity, meaning that they, from the get-go, from the beginning of the relationship, they have noticed that this other person, their partner, uh, comes across as extremely familiar. Their behaviors, their way of talking, their way of relating, their actions, their feelings, their thoughts, everything is so familiar, we don't even have to think about how to be, how to act, how to behave around this other person. It just is second nature to us. It's not a puzzle that we have to solve. It's nothing that new, you know, we, it's, it's, it doesn't take much effort to figure this person out. Uh, in fact, 
therein lies that sense of attraction and seduction that it is so familiar that we are so comfortable with it. Interestingly, there is a little bit of a paradox here. What I mean by this report of familiarity and comfort does not automatically translate to happiness and uh, being content and um, uh, being excited. Uh, at times, even this level of comfort and familiarity is combined with pain. To give you an example, we have had, uh, and again, this is something that comes out of uh, many, many years of uh, research from couples therapy that I have engaged in, but it goes even beyond the years that I have done couples therapy. This is something that has been passed down to me from my trainers and teachers. So uh, there is at least 50 years of uh, empirical research that goes into this field to uh, teach us where the uh, root causes of this level of attraction come from. From those examples, what I would like to bring up to exemplify that difference between, let's say, level of attraction and familiarity and comfort that is exciting and also happy in nature uh, versus another example where that familiarity and comfort exist, but they actually may come with some level of pain. The prime example that we see uh, happen a lot, at least I would say a third or maybe even at times depends on geographic regions, at times even 50 to 60% of the population, especially in long-term relationships, is the notion of having affairs. A lot of people come in uh, after many years of being together and uh, they come into therapy and complain about certain, let's say, affairs that have been have existed in the relationship or are still going on. And when you really dig into it and, um, you know, kind of take the history, work with a few sessions with the couple, understanding where it was the first time they have noticed this, the spouse would usually report that they have kind of known from the very beginning of the relationship that their partner may have been prone to, you know, developing affairs or not being, um, uh, quite loyal, if you will, or monogamous. So th that that knowledge, that understanding, that again, sensation and uh, level of uh, really kind of, again, familiarity has existed from the very beginning. The spouses report that, yeah, they have known it uh, from the very beginning, uh, they have struggled with it a little bit, but also they have kind of been comfortable with it. Subconsciously, they knew exactly how to uh, behave around a person who uh, may not be the most monogamous in this world. And that sense of familiarity, again, is something that actually uh, now is being normally reported about. However, from the very beginning of a relationship has been painful. Despite this familiarity and, and kind of a natural, um, you know, um, presentation it may have, and by natural I mean almost like the second nature, almost this automaticity that it just exists and uh, I know about it and I'm not too concerned and worried about it. Uh, despite that level of familiarity and knowledge about it, nobody likes to be cheated on. Nobody likes to um, have to worry about where their partner is. Nobody ha likes to be worried about whether they are lied to or not. Nobody likes to be worried about 
whether they are being kind of second-class citizen, let's say, in their relationship. So the pain has existed from the beginning. They have dealt with it one way or another, a lot of times through denial, a lot of times through distraction, a lot of times through, uh, you know, straight out kind of confrontation um, and debates and arguments and even some um, attempts at separation uh, and, and even arbitration, mediation, even, you know, threats or even actual separation and divorce and then getting back together. So people do certain things about it. You know, they do take actions uh, because it is certainly something that's generally not uh, on, on the top of their list of, of desirable characteristics to have, but quite painful stuff. And yet they find themselves not being able to completely cut off from this partner. How come they go back to that partner? How come they're willing to uh, repair the relationship? How come they're willing to forgive? And a lot of times, interestingly too, throughout the course of the relationship, uh, when you do a history taking and you know, go through the reasons, how come they would report the more conscious elements, they would report certain things like, yeah, the first time it happened and we went back together, uh, it was because he or she um, kind of um, uh, reported some remorse around the situation. He or she said um, uh, that they didn't know what they were doing. He or she said that they were, um, you know, missing something in our relationship. That's why they went outside. He or she said that it was a cultural component uh, in their upbringing. They didn't think much of it and so forth and so on. And then also, yeah, it was we were, we were, we couldn't get our hands off of each other, even though that part of the person had that affair. Uh, you know, this other person wasn't as, let's say, um, physically attractive or, you know, again, go, they go back to their list of um, original conscious reasons why they got in together. However, over time, you would notice that those primary conscious reasons actually lose their value. You know, people get used to these things. Beauty um, kind of diminishes over time. Uh, you know, physical attraction um, loses its value. Um, monetary or non-monetary, you know, even emotional, uh, generally emotional uh, reasons for connecting with somebody becomes more, more or less mon monotonous, mundane, kind of um, almost at times, you know, boring. Uh, so you, you have this trend where people uh, despite knowing that the original reasons why they got into this relationship don't have the same strength, they could mm, really forego those and just find another partner, uh, they still are together despite all these instances of pain. And that was just one example in terms of the uh, disloyalty that I brought up. A lot of times it could be also other reasons such as, uh, let's say, um, at times, unfortunately, uh, a little bit of aggression, bullying, um, even domestic violence, uh, interpersonal violence that happens between uh, partners. Um, at times, other types of um, reasons for separation, for instance, uh, huge um, influence and in, uh, kind of interference by in-laws that uh, affect the relationship, the main relationship. At times, um, 
certain things that happen with children, uh, you know, with the offspring. Um, it could be loss, it could be death, it could be uh, men mental or physical illness, it could be some, for instance, cancer and, and whatnot, and, um, and or again, some kind of disagreements or, or disconnections, major um, sources of contention between parents and children where they, uh, there's really no reason for um, uh, for them to stick around, to be around, and then the partner, the parents who are original partners, they uh, may have lost their reasons to kind of stick together, and yet they find that uh, it's okay, despite all those uh, extreme painful experiences that they have had, uh, they really can't stay away from each other. But the primary, I would say, the primary um, indicator that this subconscious level of desire and connection and seduction does exist is the situations when affairs occur and that's where uh, it's almost like this volcano it erupts and we can look in inside and see that um, that magma and uh, uh, you know it's kind of simmering and brooding and we have never really looked at it, what it is. And, and that's that level of intense connectivity or connection between two people that is not explainable. They can't really um, come up with good reasons. They just, usually people would mention, we use this word of familiarity, of comfort. I've been always familiar and comfortable with this person. So despite all this, painful experiences, they report that, they cannot get away from it, one another, and we want to understand where it comes from. There is something called um, imago relationship therapy uh, and theory um, that uh, I believe not for the first time, but perhaps for the first time in terms of a systematic model of couple therapy uh, that came together and uh, uh, you know, the, the founders of this theory, they came together and basically put their thoughts together and presented the reasons why this exists. And that was the um, uh, concept of being um, more or less uh, in a situation where early childhood memories are being re-triggered uh, and revived. So they were tracing the root cause of this high seduction between two grown-ups, adults, to uh, this immense influence of their childhood memories. And uh, so again, through lots of research, this kind of linkage was established where even though people generally initially are not able to articulate where this familiarity comes from, but through methodical kind of unlayering, uncovering of, of all these uh, conscious, subconscious, unconscious levels of uh, experience, ultimately uh, these researchers got to the core issue of it, which, by the way, as I mentioned, wasn't the first time this was discussed. This has been already discussed in psychoanalytic theories uh, about human psychology, where the very beginning of our existence from childhood the concept of attraction is already uh, in play. And the first time we actually experience that is the high level of attraction between simply two human beings. And it has nothing to do with sexuality and romance. It has a lot more to do with simple 
existential attraction as an infant coming to this world for uh, you know really the first time experiencing this world out of the womb so their uh, opportunity of experiencing this growth um, at a very cellular neuronal level and developing consciousness and connecting and relating to another human being who is taking care of them that being the uh, parent figure whether it is the mother or the father or both and that um, experience of being taken care of being attended to being the center of attention being completely enveloped by a powerful um, you know uh, adult who is um, surrounding the baby with so much love and appreciation admiration and reward literally um, is programmed gradually into the cellular neuronal structure of this human being this infant growing up that's where they actually learn the very first notions of uh, being being attractive being desirable being wanted so there's that reciprocity between the infant and the parent that gradually kind of uh, plants the seed for this um, very much ground level um, desire of uh, wanting to exist wanting to be connected wanting to be uh, in a exchange in a reciprocal, reciprocal exchange with another human being and then it gradually even develops further and also expands uh, by the infant becoming more of a child of a toddler of a um, you know young teenager uh, older teenager young adult who then gradually takes this experience into multiple relationships um, first also with siblings and then with peers uh, and then with, um, then if you add puberty and uh, self, uh, sense of self-identity and self-esteem and confidence to it, especially through later teenage years, uh, early adulthood, that's when everything comes together and suddenly uh, a person finds themselves um, at a, I would say, culmination in, in terms of where all these uh, billions, if you will, of experiences uh, of interactions with other people combined with uh, with hormonal impact with again kind of a role um, clarification uh, in terms of what a romantic partner uh, looks needs to look like needs to sound like needs to uh, feel like then ultimately culminates into this uh, more formal establishment okay now me and my partner, we are a romantic couple who at very conscious, subconscious levels feel all kinds of more or less the same, but a lot more complex uh, levels of reciprocal, uh, you know, sensation around being wanted, uh, being admired, being rewarded, being uh, attended to, uh, and, and then uh, certainly it's formalized into more of what we call well uh, and then we put labels on it I, I like this person because of the I don't know you know the color of their skin or the tone of their voice and and this and that because that's the only thing really that comes to our mind however 
at the very subconscious level, uh, we are, what we have done, and that is what Imago relationship as well as some psychoanalytic uh, theories allude to, is that what we have done, we have actually chosen, found and chosen someone who is quite um, almost a replica of the same characteristics that we have seen in our uh, significant uh, caretakers. Now, it could be a parent, it could be a sibling, it could be a, another role model that we grew up with, it could be, um, um, you know, kind of an older uh, uncle, aunt, uh, cousin. Uh, it could be even, uh, again, like I mentioned, not necessarily related and unrelated significant figure in our lives that we have had some kind of a pleasant rewarding experience with that has found itself in uh, kind of lodged in our memories. What we see over and over again, there is a lot of empirical research and evidence for this where people would literally very accurately uh, describe how their spouses are specifically uh, similar to their parents and or that significant person. To give you an example, um, a person may report that, yes, my husband is, um, you know, as assertive and aggressive and like a go-getter, just like uh, the way I knew my, my mom. So they report that and they can very specifically link those. And, and I just gave one example of, let's say, being assertive. Another would be uh, on, the, on the flip side of positive versus negative, it could be a negative character, such as someone who is completely unavailable. You know, they would, they would, after doing some therapy and kind of digging deeper into understanding their level of attraction, they would say, yeah, you know, my partner is completely unavailable. And it just reminds me exactly how my uh, so-and-so was. Like, and then you insert that, uh, you know, uh, name into it, like my father was, or my mother was, or my cousin was. This is how you can get to the depth of it in terms of this sense of familiarity has had its roots way early in the upbringing of a person. They didn't know about it, that it actually has created a level of seduction and attractiveness. There's this kind of a subconscious desire to want to reconnect with that experience, with that early experience. But after many years of really experiencing this, living with another person, then ultimately coming to realization, and that doesn't have to always be therapy, it could be somebody reading a book, somebody just reflecting on their quality of their relationship, but they need to have the very deep level of introspection to get there. And however, however they have come to that realization, they would end up realizing this connection, that this level of attraction and desire I have with my partner goes way beyond those surface characteristics. And, and again, the idea that why it is so seductive is the level of familiarity that it has, that it creates this almost illusion of um, um, early childhood experience of safety. Now, at times, this illusion of safety actually fits reality of safety. Uh, so partners may actually feel safe. And that's why I mentioned that it's not guaranteed. You know, at times it is a comfortable, 
familiar as well as a happy uh, characteristic and situation and, and combination. At times, however, it is not because if it is an illusion and the reality doesn't match, meaning the illusion of safety is, safety is there, the reality of safety is not there, then we have a major conflict. Then that's where a person is torn in be within between uh, thinking that they actually belong to this partner and in reality, every evidence in real life speaks against it, that you're really not safe with your partner. You're being more or less um, disappointed uh, over and over again. Uh, there's quite ample evidence that um, there's unhealthy interactions going on in this relationship. As I mentioned earlier, if the issue of affairs is uh, repetitive, it is unending, it is um, uh, destructive in the relationship, uh, or maybe even there's domestic violence, interpersonal violence going on, and other types of destructive factors. So we have to become aware more or less of this uh, existence of this illusion and whether or not is it is matching the reality. Is the relationship really safe or can it be turned into a safe relationship, which requires a very kind of deep level of therapy for both individuals to be able to to detect these subconscious elements. And I, as I mentioned, it's not limited to the experience of an affair. It could be also something else. For instance, let's say addiction. A lot of times people with uh, addictive behaviors, such as especially substance abuse or sex addiction or love addiction or gambling, they are masking that, that discrepancy that they're kind of feeling within their, themselves and their relationship. And at times the relationship they have with their partner is uh, exacerbating the problem and the situation because of uh, their lack of awareness of this uh, uh, very much destructive bond that they have with one another. It would be fantastic if people are willing to open their mind and be, are willing to actually dig deeper into this and realize this subconscious connection because what is linked to it are also a very specific sets of expectations that they have from one another. And a lot of times disappointments that are associated with not meeting those expectations. People interact with each other on a daily basis um, with most of their interactions being determined by those subconscious expectations. And again, their lack of ability to meet those expectations but they kind of overlook that, like they attribute those discrepancies to um, chance, to lots of, again, subconscious reasons, for instance, oh, he's not in a good mood, oh, she's on her period, for instance, or, uh, or he is just a jerk, or, or, you know, she has too much stress in her life, or, oh, you know, he or she is under the influence of uh, his mom or dad, you know, they're, they're saying what his parents are uh, telling him to do and things like that. Those are all more or less conscious but not really well-founded uh, reasons why people actually are not meeting the expectations of themselves and of their partner. In terms of what we started with, human attraction psychology, certainly there are lots of levels that and layers that are known to many people wanted to focus on the subconscious 
level of attraction that a lot of times is unknown uh, unless people have uh, had many years of relationship with one another and then end up at uh, kind of a uh, phase in a phase in the relationship where they feel stuck but they cannot move away from another and they can't really articulate the depth of it uh, which has to do again with that sense of familiarity of memories that we have grown up with why does it even exist in the first place why does our brain or our mind need to actually uh, you know kind of uh, engage in this type of a um, interaction with other individuals where is there need to be so connected with our memories if you will or reliving that type of a childhood experience of safety and part of it goes to certainly um, just kind of a natural inclination to want to um, always have felt safe and this is more or less a continuation of that uh, and, uh, and a sense of familiarity is it's very natural to us to just want to continue what has always been there for us rather than seeking something new. But then also beyond that, at times, especially in those situations that there is a discrepancy, there is a part of our mind that actually wants to rewrite, reprogram the bad parts, the negative, the painful parts of the early memories. Uh, some uh, researchers, they propose that one of the reasons that we don't want to get away from those difficult relationships where there is that uh, kind of uh, tug of war going on between our conscious subconscious desires and we can seem not to be able to get away from our partner despite the painful experience it goes back to that desire of wanting to rewrite that upper you know having that opportunity to rewrite that memory to kind of um, recreate uh, a different version, a more healthier, more safer, more desirable version of the same experience. And that sense of familiarity comes to comes in handy because it kind of, again, whether it is an illusion or not, it gives us a um, tool or at least hope that, you know what, I know this, how to be around this person and I've grown up all my life around this type of a presentation of a person and or these personality characteristics. However, this time around, I'm an adult. I make my own decisions. I have choices. I, I, I am an active participant. Therefore, I could have both, kind of the best of both worlds, a sense of familiarity as well as being the director of this new reality. I leave you with that. Please share with us what you think about this video and this concept. And if you would like to know more about it, we would love to create more videos and uh, respond to your needs. If you have similar experiences, by all means, share with us. We would love to hear from you and again respond to you. Thank you and have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Therapy Cable Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast provider. To view the entire videos of these episodes, visit us online at therapycable.com and send us an email about your thoughts and topic suggestions. <laughs>